Right, what's cracking, lovely people? Welcome back to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast. The podcast generally focuses on nutrition, movement, and outdoor experiences. Thank you for downloading and listening in. So 33 Fuel and I have been working together for a couple of years now to bring you the pod, and 33 Fuel produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products. I run one ultramarathon a year, and I utilize their Chia Seed Energy Gels, their Roica Protein Bar, their More Energy Bar during my training and on race day. So use code MAT10 at checkout for 10% off, and I hope you find something useful. Attack the day. They're a London-based lifestyle and clothing brand run by keen triathletes and mountaineers, Sam and Rory. Through a combination of fitness, adventure and the outdoors, they bring together a community of like-minded athletes and weekend warriors who love getting outside for epic adventures and inspiring others to live a more active and healthy lifestyle. Use MAT20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. So if you like the show, please share it with someone, lovely people. It's the only way the show's going to grow. And I'd love it if you subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or SoundCloud and leave me a comment or review on Apple Podcasts. That would be mega. It just helps more people find the show. So today I'm speaking with Hannah Walsh. Now, Hannah helps women run their first ultra marathon and find joy in the process. Hannah's big mission is to take ultramarathons, sorry, to make ultramarathons more accessible to women by breaking down the barriers that stop them from getting involved in the first place. This is going to be a corker. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. Let's get into things with Hannah Walsh. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. It's good to be here. No, it's, it's excellent to have you along and um, yeah, I think before we get started, before we dig into the, to the big stuff, it would be great to know uh, how you are, where you are at the moment to, to give the listeners a, a little bit of a background on you. Yeah, absolutely. So I obviously, most like most people now, I think working from home, um, I'm based in Teddington, so just outside of London um, and I've been at home sort of the last 12 months. Um, I'm originally from Manchester, but moved back down to the south sort of last year. Um, but yeah, no, all good, just busy sort of. I think life is a bit of a juggling game at the minute, doing the job, the coaching um, and, and the running. So yeah, all good, can't, can't complain. Like lockdown has been pretty kind to us so far, which is good. Yeah, that ability to, like you said, be able to kind of work remotely and... Um... Yeah, looking forward to further afield when things open up. So how does it affect your, or how has it affect your, your training in short? Because I know we're obviously today going to get into your coaching and your experiencing of racing. But I suppose over the last like year, you know, year or so, how, how's that gone for someone who probably runs, you know, runs quite a lot like yourself? Is it, has it been hard to do? Yeah, it's actually, it's hit me quite hard. It's made me very lazy, I think, in all honesty. <laughs> Um, so I, before lockdown, I was working from home anyway. I think the big shift for me was having everyone else at home, um, like kids on the half, um, and routines change. So yeah, I think for me, sort of the last six to eight months have probably been quite tricky because I haven't prioritised my own training. Everything else has sort of come, come above that. And it's only sort of the last month or so that I've started to realise that, um, yeah, just just need to get myself self sorted. I think routines have have fallen off track, and it's it's just been hard. I think generally motivation, especially the last through winter, is it's always tricky, isn't it? Um, mm. 
Oh, excellent. Yeah, and I think it's like most people, it's good to be honest about that because, you know, people can obviously after today um, nip onto the show notes and see your Instagram, your website, obviously so many fantastic photos of you in the outdoors, you know, doing some of these races, um, looking like you're enjoying them with obviously a massive smile on your face. But there's so much work that goes into all of these things and it's, it's great getting that action shot. But yeah, there's definitely... The side of it people maybe don't talk about as much through through winter months and then into spring and all the kind of grafting and and the things you're doing before you can head out to to these mountains to making sure you're strong and durable and yeah there's i suppose there's a lot of there's a lot of ups and downs but you're quite it's safe to say you're obviously quite experienced you know it's not your first rodeo you've been you've been doing this you've been doing this ultra marathon malarkey for um quite a few years did you say something like 2014 maybe give the listeners a bit of a a bit of a background to when you started to to yeah really get into to loving running distance yeah so i as a kid i've never really sort of been a runner or loved running i've done a little bit of everything and then when i went to university i did a bit of rowing um so again happy to try everything i never was very good at anything in particular and then I moved to London after graduating in 2013 um didn't know so kind of just started running because I didn't really have a lot of other things to do um and then I came across this um group online and there was two women and they were trying to recruit other women to come and do their first ultra marathon women who'd never done marathons before never done half marathons and I just thought why not I don't have anything else to do so I think there was eight of us and then the following year we went to do our first 100 kilometer together um so we did race to the stones which is part of the threshold series events um and then well just from that I I kind of to give your listeners a, a, bit, a bit of an overview I I didn't know what I was doing like most people the first soldier I made every mistake in the book I remember packing my bag the night before deciding what to take or not to take. I even managed to break my arm two weeks out from the race. So I had to run the event with a cast on, but luckily I managed to get the hospital to coordinate the color of the cast to like the team colors, just so it matched up, which is great. And wow. um, yeah, no, it was really good fun. And I think from that, it just sort of escalated. I met people in the space um, and just started to push myself a little bit further. And then from that, I've done various other things like 100 mile events. Um, And then a few years ago, I went out to do the Racing the Planet event in Chile. So they've got a multi-stage ultramarathon, which is um, 250 kilometers over a week, a bit like the MDS format in a different climate. Um, And that was like my first taste of sort of adventure running, which I loved. Um, Yeah, I've got a few more of those coming up this year, which is exciting. Wow. Wow. Right. There's a few things to unpack there. So I think maybe my first question would be, um, when you're in that race to stones, like you said, it was, you, you were quite green, you're quite fresh and ready to give it a go. Um, you obviously wanted to do, do well with your team. So there was, you know, there's a huge amount that, that, that I suppose is driving you forward there, obviously the unknown. So <clears throat> that's a big one. You, you didn't know maybe what, what was in store, but then also you didn't want to let the others down. Um, you know, what was that like during that race, if you can think back and, and to give the listeners some context, um, obviously when you do these kind of things, unless you're unless you're really trying to win these races, it isn't always necessarily about the time. 
you know the speed it's it's how long you're on feet for and trying to basically just like look after your body isn't it so how how you know how how did that go what were the ups and downs in that initial race and then maybe we can tease apart some some of the other stuff further down the line yeah so i think the big thing for me was just sort of being being out on your feet for that long on your own i just haven't i never experienced that before and i think because obviously we were a team we set off together but then within sort of the first couple of hours everyone sort of settles into their own pace and then the the field spreads out quite quickly so i think that was sort of a big one for me but i think with ultras a lot of people especially if you haven't sort of ventured into the ultra world it's quite a um it's very different to sort of marathons um road marathons half marathons that sort of thing um and a lot of the women that i coach they they transition over into that space just like you said before there's there's less pressure people are not as focused on time whereas if you did a marathon the first question you get asked is what was your time if you do an ultra marathon it's a big enough goal in itself that people they just don't ask that question um, and I think a lot of people also don't realize that ultras, you don't run the whole thing, which that was a big shock to me as well. Um, so I was expecting to be to be running the whole way. I get to the hill and people start walking and I'm thinking, what is going on here? And then people are eating, people are drinking, have a bit, bit of a joke. It's, it's, it's definitely a nicer and more relaxed atmosphere than um other events on the road so i think that's why a lot of people transition into that space but to answer your question i think big things for me were, were being out on my own for for that length of time sort of the mental aspect of it because in all honesty you in training you think of the physical training you think of sort of getting strong doing the runs you don't really think about training your um your brain or kind of dealing with uncertainties dealing with setbacks so i think that that's a real big learning from from my first experience mm. and then i think it's trying to go strength to strength isn't it in in each event like if i draw on my experience and you know I've, i'm very new to the space i just did uh, i think it was four or five years ago i did this kind of man versus lakes race and it was just over the marathon with uh, some obstacles and, and we did it as a team and it took about six hours and that for me was a real aha moment like god it's you know it's fun all the things that you were talking about I can resonate with and then I've just been adding a few miles every year and, and um, building up to probably around 50 miles later this year and it's exactly like you said self-preservation once you've got over a certain distance and time you know on feet in your mind you kind of back yourself to get there again and then try and go a little bit further um, and I'm sure we'll get on to the nutrition in a bit and just getting your gut used to eating and drinking and, and moving so um, yeah, listening to what to what you said, kind of the distance I'm building up to is is you know a distance that you you kind of uh, superseded on your first ever event, and then obviously you've gone strength to strength from there. But you know it sounds like obviously a huge undertaking when you when you mentioned the multi day stuff in in Chile and things like that, um, and and people can kind of step back and think, wow, you know that's something that's just out of this world. But you're you know you're obviously organization is one of the key things but you're you're going into some of these races now with your eyes open and and, and I, so I assume you're learning every time you do one so when you do add more miles another day um, having to stay over the preservation side of the body 
Um, you're just you're just hopefully building things up, aren't you, in in a, in a methodical way, and then just filling the gaps when when gaps emerge in in terms of just looking after yourself. And are you quite performance minded, or is it really about for you the the experience and thinking, wow, you know, if I go and sign up to this one, it's it's going to be a real challenge physically, mentally. Like, where are you now? If we're kind of fast forwarded to, God, you've been doing this for not quite 10 years is that safe to say you know and so you kind of be yeah, quite hardy in things now the 10 years yeah yeah so obviously complete complete kind of different different animal really now for you so obviously you're extremely experienced and your life load us talking about you know what you're doing after this before the call full-time job family etc um so so yeah how, you know how are things for you now personally before we move on to your coaching side and looking after other people it, obviously you're still passionate about it um, but are you signing up for these to to continue to do more, go further, or is it still that that challenge for you mentally that you love? Yeah, I think for me, sort of my mindset has changed. One of the one of the things that I always tell my runners now is if you're signing up for an ultra marathon, you need to have a why to do it. And at the beginning, I didn't have that. So a lot of the women I work with are um, parents, so they have daughters, and a lot of them. Um, like one lady in particular, she she's part of my project Breaking Two Fifty group, and just to pull her out, Sarah is um her her big why for doing this big event later in the year is she's got a young daughter, and she wants to show her daughter that women are strong and women can do hard things, but she also wants to show her that it's important to have time away from family to work on herself to be a better mum for when she does come back. So. I think that is that was a big learning for me, um, kind of bringing my why to the start line of these things, but also realizing what events I prefer. I like what events work well for me. So early on in my sort of ultra running um, years, I did a lot of flat races um, along the Thames around London, and I just don't enjoy that sort of stuff. I love being out in the hills, exploring and visiting new places. So now when I'm approaching races. I just look at it with that mindset. Am I going to a new place? Am I going to be in these sort of vast open landscapes? Um, and then there are a few races where I'm kind of thinking, this is my race for the year. This is the one that I like to do well in. So I am sort of, I'd say a bit of both performance driven, but also I like the adventure and I like exploring my limits too. Yeah, that makes sense. I'll just pick up on that point about, like you said, adventure and getting out into some of these spaces. I think once you get to the level where you know, you're not completely hanging out of your hoop and you can actually take in the surroundings, manage your body. You know, you can take yourself to some incredible places while you're running, walking, yomping. Um, and yeah, it's, I think it's, that's one of the things that's the drive for me when I'm training, if I'm going to go and do one of these events too, I, I want to be able to enjoy the experience and not, not be absolutely cooked. So I can be like, wow, you know, I've managed to see all this fantastic scenery, meet some incredible people. You know, you end up walking or running with people that, you, you literally meet on the day and you share two or three hours experience with and you keep in touch. Um, so yeah, it's actually, yeah, it's actually fantastic. That's, that's really cool. So I think you obviously brought up that, the project that you're working on. So I think it'd be a nice, a nice part to dovetail into that. So we've obviously understood a bit, a bit of your background and, you know, running ultramarathons, like you said, for almost 10 years now. Um, and you picked out one of your one of your coaches, uh, Sarah, which, which sounds really cool. If yeah, if she's listening to this, and that's absolutely brilliant. Um, so I think just let the listeners know a little bit about about this project, and and obviously I'll put all the details in the show notes if people want to engage with you and and the project in the future. So um, 
yeah, it sounds yeah, it sounds absolutely colossal, two two hundred and fifty. Um, so yeah, talk us through it. Yeah, absolutely. So it's um, Project Breaking Two Fifty is um, it's basically in essence a group, a very small group coaching program um, over twelve months, and it's female only, and it's run in partnership with the guys at Racing the Planet. So they're a great bunch of guys. I've done a couple of their events. That was the um, the multi-stage and ultra that I in Chile, sorry that I mentioned. Um, so basically, the idea of the program was born out of, sort of my own experience of bringing um, women together. So we have runners from um, all over the UK, the North and the South. We've got runners in the US and we also got a lady in Singapore. So it's an online thing. Um, and we sort of get together a couple of times a month and I guide them through the training program. So it, in essence, it's sort of um, these women have thought about doing something like this before. And I'm kind of giving them the toolkit, giving them the confidence to physically and mentally approach this huge, huge challenge that they never, ever would have thought possible before. Um, so it's really about like celebrating what women can do together. So this year, we're all going out to Georgia in August. We've been training since November last year together. Mm. Um, these women have, have come from varied backgrounds. Some of them have only ever done a half marathon. Um, one of them has only ever attempted a 50k ultra marathon. So the, these things that the race organizers are super accessible in terms of your ability. So you get people who walk the entire course. You don't have to run the whole thing, which is a really nice thing about it. Um, but yeah, we're going to be going out this year uh, and then hopefully when things get back to normal next year, the guys at Racing the Panic will be announcing the 2022 race. So we don't know where that's going to be yet, but hopefully we'll be doing a similar sort of thing for next year as well. So yeah, I'm just super excited to get these women onto the start line to know that they're ready to tackle this beast and, and just to get them through safely as well. I think a lot of concerns women have when they start ultra training is how can I approach this safely? I'm a mother, I have um, these concerns as well. And I'm just taking all of that into account. So my, my coaching is, is more holistic, if that makes sense. So I look at not just the run training, the strength, the mental aspects which we touched on before, um, and then just taking lifestyle into account as well. Like these women have demanding jobs, they have families. So it's just about looking at what what works for them to help get them through. So yeah, that that gives you a little bit of an overview. Wow, yeah. So so like you're saying it's kind of um, empowering women to to make some of these like positive changes towards uh getting you know the fundamentals right to start kind of really tackling a race like this um yeah and it, you think obviously they they have uh they do have a lot of confidence and self-belief in them but then you're trying to, to bring that out and i think it's just showing that they're capable of achieving epic things really isn't it exactly um, just a little push to give them that last bit of confidence because a lot of them, they say to me that they never would think of doing something like this alone, but the power of the group, the power of the other women doing it together, they know on the, that week of the event, they will be out there running, but they're not alone. Everyone else is out there somewhere on the course. And even in training as well, when things are going hard, like it's the same, same idea. Everyone is battling their own challenges. Everyone is pushing through and everyone is at different stages. It's, it's about sort of meeting them where they're at now, to get them across that finish line. Mm. Mm. And I think from a coaching standpoint, you know, there's some really interesting things to pick up on there. You've got 
the goal obviously of the race so that's in their calendar and they're you know they're investing themselves in that um physically obviously they know they're going to be showing up and then financially and sorting out their time because obviously they're, they're busy that's a big one and then having someone like yourself as, as a soundboard that you've got almost 10 years of experience so you can kind of you know you can talk through some of the things that, that might not be known when some people might just read uh, into this thing or try and do it themselves you know they've got someone who's had feet on the ground there and then just measuring measuring progress I think will be a big one um, and obviously having your experience through that in terms of the coaching program that's a, that's a massive one and I think what I'm hearing too is the the coping side of things so I suppose when you're coaching and you set these goals and you're measuring them and people talk about outcomes I think some of the best coaches consider you know what happens on your worst day and can you can you put things in place as coping mechanisms when a few of the other things start to kind of fall down a bit um, so that's something that's really interesting and I think the power of obviously having yourself and then and then the rest of the group being there that community feel you're trying to obviously cover all, all the angles and then um, it's quite clear that obviously the the 12 month process as well people listening to that um, I think that that obviously sounds like a huge amount of time um, but I think it's important because like you said they want to finish the race and they just want to go back to life go back to being you know uh, uh, mums and then also um, working their careers and obviously not having their immune systems lowered and not being ill and, and I think course you can tip up to these things and give them a go and you hear stories where people are like oh minimal training you know this person's a machine but then you hear down the line injury off feet for months illnesses all of yeah, those that's things the thing. like a lot of these women they want to start doing this but they want to do it for the long term they don't want to have like a quick bang for buck and and not be able to run in a few years time so exactly right like the, the way that i operate is all about how can we do this for the long term? How can we build like a sustainable level of fitness and strength up so they can do this for as long as possible? Yeah, you're so right. It's good to hear that because, you know, something like this, the 250 and putting 12 months into it and working through, you know, is, is fantastic because it's done in the right way. Like for me, to give the listeners a bit of context, if I'm going to try and do 50 miles, which is probably like, you know, these women are going to be doing that every day almost um i'll take you know four months or so is usually a process i'll put together before doing one of these races but it's like half a day running and then i'm done for another um whatever eight months before i do it again whereas obviously they're training to do that uh on day four or something or like day five of their program so um yeah that i still can't really get my get my head around that but it's uh yeah, it's a very different event like it's a lot of it obviously everyone is different but as i said you do get a lot of walkers and even the runners the first day they just take it easy so they'll start off walking at the back and then gradually just start to run and increase that pace so it, it is a sort of very different format of event it's more um just trying to think of an example so more of like an not expedition but that sort of in, inclined in that way yeah um, yeah it's a bit of a holiday basically you just have to carry everything on your back for seven days and all they give you is a tent and some water yeah wow that's the side of things as well digging out there and, and looking after yourself in the evening so i've i'd love to travel to georgia i only know georgia i'm a huge rugby fan so i know i know a bit about tbilisi because they play uh, rugby there and they're and they're and they're kind of growing in terms of their fan base but I, I don't know anything else and it sounds 
yeah people obviously listening to this can, can go and, and search that i'll try and leave some stuff in the show notes about the race and i bet the terrain is is absolutely amazing have you been or is it something that no i've never been i that's one of exactly one of the reasons like when i do these things i always try to go to a place that i've never been to before and um, i think from what i hear georgia is quite european-esque in terms of like the terrain it's quite mountainous um the culture seems quite diverse and we also heard that the wine is quite good so i think that's definitely a reason why why we're looking to cross that finish line but no yeah it seems yeah it's it's very different to some of the regular race in the planet series events so they they have four events through the year which are in exactly the same um, location every year and then they have one event which is called the roving race which is this georgia event so every year they choose a different location for this event um so in years previous it's been in new zealand it's been in patagonia so we're, we're hoping that next year it's going to be somewhere as exciting as well for 2022. Wow, wow, wow. Um, I think I'd just like to touch on a little bit about the, um, you know, when they finish for the day and like you said, they're camping, looking after themselves, things like that. Um, how, you know, how, how much how much of your coaching and experience and, and, and your time's going into, you know, discussing like, right, when you're actually done for the day, um, putting a process together to obviously try and wind down um, from from a nervous system point of view, recover um, to an extent. You're never going to fully recover, obviously, nutritionally. Um, and have you, you know, have you got a bit of a process in terms of setting up camp? Um, in terms of you know just trying to yeah bring bring back a bit of uh, I suppose momentum after a very tough day. I know it'd be great because people will be elated and chatting, and obviously want, they'll be tired physically, so they probably will try and get some shut eye. Um, but yeah, maybe let the listeners know a little bit about um, what it feels like to do these multi-stage races, because some who are listening to this, they might have done, um, you know, a few short races or some listening to this might have even done ultra marathons, etc. But then never got up and gone again. Um, so what? Yeah. What's that like? If we can just spend a couple of minutes on that. Yeah, so I think the big difference from, just from my experience in the past has been that these things, like you say, you get out on the first day you run 40 kilometers you come back you refuel you sleep you get up and you do exactly the same the next day so the great thing about these events is you can completely switch off from the world the only things you need to think about are putting one foot in front of the other having enough food in your belly to get you through the next day and having enough sleep and obviously interactions with the camp everything else just is you don't need to think about what's going on at work, checking your phone. A lot of competitors don't even take anything like that with them. So it's a really nice sort of distraction from the outside world. Um, It's like a little family, you kind of, when you start on the first day, you'll sort of fall into a pack, you'll start chatting to people. And then the second day, you'll set off at a similar pace and just out of nowhere, those same people will probably appear. You'll continue the conversation from the the last day it's just it's just a really nice um, atmosphere. Yeah, wow. And in terms of knowing where to go, is there um you know is it down to navigation and and there's a lot to learn around uh, map reading and trigger points or is this race something where there there is there is a trail and there's there's maybe less decision fatigue about about the route or is it worth you know if I know it was me I'd try and tag on to someone who kind of knew where they were going and I and I would just want to like you said focus on one foot in front of the other um I, I sweat like a like a madman so I'm always needing to take on fluids I think they're the two main things for me and I wouldn't want to have to like look at like where I'm going that would be hard but I suppose it's part of it isn't it it's adventure yeah it's definitely part of it and I think 
Yeah, well, no, the great thing about the races and planet guys is they, they have a whole team. So what they do is they actually go out and mark the course the day before. Wow. Um, in the morning. So they have a couple of fast guys, fast women who will mark the whole thing with little flags. There have been occasions in the past where it's either been windy or you get the local kids from the local village think it's quite funny to move the flags. Um, oh, so God. yeah, there's a few sort of distractions, but in general, the route is pretty well marked. Um, and there's checkpoints as well. Like the guys are there sort of every 10K with medical crew, they've got water supplies. So it's not like you're out there on your own. It is, although it's um, like quite a hostile environment, you are you are safe, you are being watched, you are being um, followed, whether that's on bikes, um, cars, there, there are people around you. So navigation, luckily for me as well, I wouldn't be, wouldn't be very good on that, that yeah. space. All right, that's good to know. That's really good to know. And I think from a from a fueling point of view, um, obviously you you have your own experience and um, you know what works for yourself. But I think it might it might be useful to mention to the listeners. Do you do you consider you know a mi- a minimum amount of energy, for example, per per hour, or if you're breaking um, a day into blocks, for example? Um, we obviously don't have to go into specific foods because again, like you said, you probably trained your body to to take in things that work well for you. But is that something that you'll consider in terms of like, right, okay, some might be walking, yomping, there might be a time where the, t- the terrain's quite kind for uh, a run, or they might even build up to being able to run at a pace where, you know, you, you might see an average split of someone road running, for example. So there'll be there'll be different speeds and, and, and times in the race where they might need certain amounts of fuel. Do you like to kind of, coach coach these women to thinking about right okay as long as you're taking in this minimum amount of carbohydrates or calories per hour you know you're going to be just adding a little bit to the fuel stocks and you're going to try and keep keep that quite consistent how do you go about that in a kind of yeah i think like just a top top line point absolutely so we we as you say like these things you need to be pretty well organized so what we do before we go out to the event is um we're starting to look at this now actually but we basically sit down and we put a spreadsheet together we look at all the foods that we know work well for us foods that sit well in our stomachs and we sort of plan out each day so we work out how long we think we're going to be on our feet for um and then we look at the the food in sort of three chunks so we've got the breakfast we've got the snacks during the day on the run or the walk and then we've got the the dinner in the evening and sort of the the recovery stuff so I think for breakfast, we sort of aim, obviously everyone is different. Some people can't stomach massive breakfast before they go out and run, but sort of aiming between 500 to 800 calories, I think kind of we can get that in before we get out on the run. And then obviously depending on how long we're out on the course for, I think every um, hour we look at getting in sort of 100 to 200 calories. Mm. Um, and then again, similar in the evening, um, kind of a big, big dinner, a thousand a thousand plus so, so these things they do have the the race organizers do set sort of calorie um guidelines and minimum requirements but with a lot of these things it's it's about knowing what works for you and often kind of hitting these minimum requirements is not going to get you through the day it's not going to get you through the week and it's often sort of stepping stepping up from that and making sure that you have those extra supplies because like you say when kind of terrain changes when weather changes 
if something happens, you step back and you're out on the course for a little bit longer, you, you need that kind of emergency fuel, fuel supply. Yeah, definitely. We know that when, when you start feeding consistently as well, when you're keeping your, your blood sugars, you know, say in a normal range and, and, and you're feeling okay, and there might be a point where the terrain allows you to push, then it's good to push, isn't it? So I think yeah, that's really smart. I think about really also like having, a, having a, a nice balance or having a balance of sort of sweet and savoury, mm. having a balance of foods that are kind of more real food sources and more sustainable, but then also bit of a treat like a bit of um more sweeter stuff so just having a range of things i think the, the key thing on these events is variety if you're out for seven days and you're only going to take honey roasted cashew nuts and spaghetti bolognese i think after after two days you're probably going to be quite sick of that so it's just about taking taking a variety and, and knowing what works for you really yeah agreed i think that term that people might not have heard before and what you're describing is kind of palate fatigue so um, you know, moving between sweet and savoury, um, and then like you said, if you if you are using some whole foods, then we we know that that they're a matrix. They're they're not they're not just uh, made up of a of a single nutrient. There's there's loads of different things in there, um, and water content too from some of these foods. That especially if they're going to go alongside, like you said, some of the treats and sweeter stuff that we know is going to absorb quicker. Um, I think that I think that's a really good thing to discuss. Like you said, variety. Um, and and those little kind of morale boosters of of just consuming different things because you could lay it out and think right these are the most efficient things to consume nutritionally um, and you know this is the the stuff that I can take that's really light and that could work for a day or two and then yeah, you just hit it. rock bottom and you'd be like God I just want some I don't know Percy pigs or like uh, like a like peanut butter and jam sandwich or I know that's probably hard to get out on the course but yeah, things like that make a difference. Yeah, I that mistake as well. Like you look at these things and you think because you carry all on your back, you need the most calorie dense. So what is the lightest? What can I get the most calories out of? Mm. And like that's that's easy to find, but as you say, like a few kind of just a few items to pull out which which have those ratios. Um, macadamia nuts, a great one. And that have always been recommended and banana chips. But the thing is, trying to eat macadamia nuts in a 40 degree desert after one day, it's just not it's not going to sit well. And so, yeah, it's, it's just about experimenting and, and having a bit of a balance of those things. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, I find that um, later on. But, you know, I've, I've only been doing things that like the one that I might do later in the year might take might take me 10 hours. For example, the one I did last year was around eight. And I found later on in the race, I kind of switched to a bit of sweet and I'll just take flapjacks and things that um, sometimes that my, that my mum will make and send over and I, and I actually just keep them in, you know, I kind of, it's a bit gross, but I'll keep them like above the gum for a bit because there'll be times where I can't actually, um, can't actually really swallow that well. Not because yeah. things aren't, aren't uh, working and I'm really concerned, but I'm just kind of running along and I just like to hold something in there. It's quite hard to describe to people, but I think when you when you're in when you're in it, it it just seems to make sense and i'm getting that sweetness and it's triggering the brain and then yeah, i think when i can swallow it something to think about i think yeah you know, so it's like that I, I have to do that with sweets as well just like a hamster get by a little bit passes passes 10 minutes yeah i know um and i'm i'm i'm, I'm a huge uh, coffee fan and i like to, i do like to use caffeine with these kind of things and i'll use caffeine chewing gum and i don't know where do the where where does some of the stimulants like place for you? Um, if we can just maybe round some of that off because we discussed a little bit of hydration, nutrition. Um, are these are these some of the things that that, that you'll consider? Um, and and how you know how how have those kind of work for you and your experience? 
In terms of hydration, sorry. No, and just in terms of like uh, stimulants, like uh, say caffeine. So obviously a coffee maybe um, for me, I might have pre-race and then during, um, you know, in, in terms of just making it easy, I've, I've used uh, caffeine, chewing gum and things in the past because again, I can just keep it in, you know, in the mouth and, and, you know, I can then pack it away in my bag once I've chewed it for a bit and stuff like that. So I don't know if, if that's anything you use or do you kind of like hot drinks yeah, and things when you for stop? For me personally, like I'm a big coffee drinker. I love nice coffee during the day, having a coffee sat at my desk but as soon as I get into training I just my stomach can't handle it so I know coming up to race period I start to cut down on my coffee um so I don't actually take anything like that just because I know that it doesn't sit well in my stomach Mm. um and also when you're out at camp the only coffee available is instant coffee which I pretty refusing to to drink that sort of stuff (laughs) yeah caffeine for me has never really worked but that's not to say that it doesn't work for everyone I know some women in in the 250 group like do do enjoy that and it, and it does work well for them so for me that the big thing is just the fueling on the electrolytes and and being um kind of getting that nutrition and the, those calories in just little and often for me that that's generally what works excellent oh good so good to draw from some of your experiences over over the years so um yeah i think before uh before we go um, you know what? What have you got? What have you got planned for yourself then? Like you said, you, you're going to be doing this uh, uh, this race with 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 your team of women. And did you say you've got something else as well? Because most people would probably rest after doing something like that. Have you got yeah, other? Have you got I, other I events? Actually, What's the timeline? Because of lockdown last year, I actually had a race um, planned in for last year, which got postponed. And I think like most people, everyone is trying to squeeze all of their deferred entries into into this year so i have um lakeland 100 in at the end of july um so that's only a few weeks before georgia um but the thing is with that it's one of those events that is quite prestigious it's quite hard to get into um you can't defer your entry so this is sort of my last last opportunity um normally i wouldn't recommend doing 100 miles so close to the multi-stage but yeah, this is kind of my last shot at the the, the hundred miler for Lakeland, um, and there's a few races that I've got my eye on for next year, um, and this is a qualifier for for those races and kind of will help me for those. Um, so yeah, I'm excited for Lakeland 100. It's going to be a very different event. It's got a lot of navigation involved, which I need to get out on the hills this summer and start to start to explore that because that's going to be tricky for me. I think like you, I'm not the not the best in that in that realm oh excellent wow so yeah, yeah and then the, the 250 in georgia is going to be really exciting so that's mid mid-august um yeah and the thing is with that as well we haven't even met each other so that'll be incredible we we haven't met as a group so we've got accommodation booked pre-race we're going to have sort of a bit of a dinner together the night before do all the introductions and then we're going to be yeah racing in georgia the next day so i'm God. excited for that that's some of the best bits and then you'll be firm yeah firm friends afterwards or probably yeah. not maybe not want to see each other for a few days afterwards <laughs> and see how it goes oh brilliant look and i'm conscious of time and i know you've got to get on and and, and do things so yeah really, i really appreciate you kind of just teasing apart some of the some of your experiences over the last 10 years at you know as an ultra runner um you know in the last year or so as a coach so if people can stay in touch with you, um, I'll obviously pop website, Instagram and things in there. Um, is there anything else that we can signpost the listeners to that, that we might not have no, discussed? No, no, I think you've covered it all there. So I mostly hang out on Instagram um, and then, yeah, my, my website as well. And if you are interested 
in project breaking to lifty for, for 2022 just come and come and have a look and as i say it's it's nothing to be um it's open to everyone even if you've only just got into running so don't be don't be overwhelmed yeah that's the exciting thing like, like you said there's a lead time into next year and then also if someone's keen on an adventure you don't know where it's going to be yet which i think is 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 really cool yeah i think they're actually announcing this month so fingers crossed before the end of march we'll know know where that will be wow wow fantastic all right lovely people and like i said she's very approachable and um, so am i if, if you like the show then please share it with someone i, th- I think this is going to be yeah re- really impactful to a lot of people that are looking to run and get out and adventure and hopefully when we come out of uh you know the restrictions and lockdown and things like that too so um yeah i need to go and get my trainers on after this and get cracking but thanks for listening um keep in touch and have a great week we'll speak to you soon thanks much